chapter 14. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14. We'll be starting there. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be bouncing all over the place tonight. I can't find a better way to explain a story than another Bible verse that goes with it. So I'm going to let God do the explaining here instead. So while you're turning there, you know, one thing I like to do is I always try to come up with jokes, um, especially at a time like this. The Bible talks about in Proverbs where a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, so you need to get some jokes in there. So what I did is I found some jokes that I thought Pastor would put on his list of groaners. So, so I, I found some good ones here for you guys. Okay, So some of these are questions. Some of these are just facts. I don't know if they're really good facts, but they're facts. So here's one. What is the least spoken language in the world? Anybody have an idea? Least spoken language. Sign language. They don't speak that language. Yeah, see, now you get an idea where we're going with this one here. Yes. What do you call somebody with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. <laughs> Why couldn't the bike stand by itself? He was too tired. He was too tired. Yes. Uh, here's a fact for you I probably didn't know, but did you know that the first French fries were not actually cooked in France. They were fried in Greece. So, so just something to think about there. I don't know if you knew that. Um, another uh, fact I found was the fattest night at King Arthur's Round Table was circumference. That's, that's a fact I found. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef. Lean beef. Yeah. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. There you go. Now you can say it. And then, uh, how many apples grow on a tree? All of them. Very good. Very good. The last one here. What is worse than raining cats and dogs? Hailing taxis. Yes. Hailing taxis. This isn't part of my message, but I just thought this was interesting. When I was studying different things, I was reading through the Bible, all different passages and stuff, and I came up on 1 Kings chapter 19, and this talks about, if you know the passage with Elisha, and how there was the wind and the earthquakes and the fire and all these different things that were happening. And in the end, what is it that he heard? Does anybody know what it was? Joy. A still, small voice. This isn't part of the message, but this is something that God showed me was, you know, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire was loud, going on, movement, things happening, catching our eyes. We see that stuff. You know, in America right now, all those things that were catching our eyes, sports, restaurants, music, concerts, it's all gone. And I'm wondering you know, if this is a, something God's just saying, there's a still small voice. Are you listening for it right now? Because that stuff is not around. I, I have never seen since 9-11 where all sports were shut down. And that was only for about a week. This country's never seen anything like this. And I think, you know, we could take advantage of this time with God and uh, let God work in us. So Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we've got a couple of interesting stories in here. We're going to look at one of them. Uh, we're going to start in verse 22. 
If we know the story, this is Jesus when he uh, walks on the water. I'm going to look at this story here. It says in verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for, uh, for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and began to sing. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth. Thou art the Son of God. Let's pray, and we'll get into this. God, thank you for the Bible we have. Thank you that we can go to your word. God, more than just that, I'm thankful that we can come to you. We can talk to you. God, it's so good to know that you are God, and there is no other God beside you, and that you are in charge, and uh, you are still on your throne, as we just heard. God, and we can just come to you, and we, there is peace. There is comfort in knowing that you are in charge. Help us tonight, Lord, as we go through this, that you would just take my notes, take my mind, take my, my mouth, Lord, and just use it for you, and that your word would get uh, shown through this, that I would get nothing out of this, but it would be all towards you, that people would see how good of a God you are. And Lord, thank you, and we love you. Amen. <clears throat> if you want to put a bookmark here, and then put a bookmark in Mark chapter 6, we're going to be bouncing over there, and then with your third hand... If you want to put a bookmark in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, John chapter 6, and Matthew 14. Those three passages we're going to be looking at, they are all of the same story. And what I love is how you can read a story in three different areas. You'll read the same thing, but you get a different view of it. It's no different than if I would have Aaron and Adam and I go do something and come back and we tell you the story. You're going to hear three different views of this story. It's not a different story, but you see a little bit different side of it. And so we're going to kind of bounce between these three stories, and we're going to look at this and what the Bible kind of shows here. So first thing is in verse 22 of Matthew 14. Um, I, I don't know fancy words. I'm thankful I have a dictionary to explain them to me. You know, Because like, I think maybe that's why I do so well with Master Club kids. If I can't figure out what the word is... I know they're not going to figure it out either, so i got to simplify it for myself so I can explain it to them. So it starts in the first one there in 22. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. Well, I started thinking about it. You know, What exactly does straightway mean? It's the word in the Bible. It's in this story. And I got thinking about it, so I looked it up. I went to my 1828 Webster Dictionary. Yes, I know people are going to say, that's an American dictionary. This was an English I'm American, I went to my American dictionary. Okay? So, 
Straightway means immediately, without loss of time, without delay. Hurry up. Immediately. And then constrained. Constrained is a, an interesting word. And this one comes up with urged irresistibly or powerful, compelled or forced. So when you look at this, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. He is telling them to immediately get in the boat. Why? When you're reading this passage, if you know what happened just before this, they were just feeding the 5,000 plus the women and children. Okay? I don't, you don't see in this passage where he would say, all right, guys, we just fed all these people. Get in the boat. we got to go. doesn't really, what's going on there? So that's where we're going to cross some of these stories. If over in John chapter 6, this kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of what's going on here. John chapter 6, verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again unto the mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. So we get a little bit more of what's going on here. He is... He perceived that they were going to try to take him by force and make him king. Um, interesting thing I thought about this is uh, no one knew what was going on at this time. I doubt the disciples knew what was going on. They just got done collecting the food. And now they go to Jesus and he says, get in the boat. You got to go. And it says, they therefore perceived that they would come to take him. You know, God knows what they were thinking. God knows what's in their heart. The disciples probably looked at the crowd and said, these are nice, friendly people. These are good people. And it reminded me of that passage over in 1 Samuel where it says that the Lord looketh on the heart. He knows what they were thinking to do at this time. You know, the disciples may not have understood what was going on, but they got in the boat. So back over in Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to go down through these, these verses here. In verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. This is a very interesting story. There's so many different parts of this story that are going on. And uh, when you think about how during this time, the storm comes in. The title of my message is Storms. And it's a simple title, but it, it goes to so much different things. These disciples were in a storm right now, and they're in a boat, which if you know anything about sailing, that's the one spot you don't want to be in when the storm comes. Um, no one has ever said, hey, it's looking pretty bad. Let's go out into the, the middle of the lake. It's not what you do. You usually go the opposite way. But the storm came in during the fourth watch. So I looked that up. What is the fourth watch? From what I can tell, it's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. So we're talking the middle of the night. And one of the things I, I, I thought of when I was putting this together is storms and trouble always come after a high point. Um, if you go through the Bible and you think of Elijah, the prophets of Baal, He's at a high point, and what happens? Trouble came, and he ran away. Right after he just had a, a mountaintop experience. It always happens that way. So we've seen here that there's a storm. 
Um, you can also see this in John 6, verse 18, and Mark 6, 48, talks about the storm. Um, so we can kind of see a little bit, and not only are they in a storm, but we get a little bit more of it over in John chapter 6. In verse 18, it says over there, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. So, has anyone ever sailed, like on a sailboat in here? How many have ever gone kayaking, a canoe? Okay. Does anybody measure how far they went in a furlong? Does anybody know what a furlong is? I, I had to look it up. What is a furlong? A furlong is roughly 582 feet. So that's almost two football fields. So when you put that into perspective, let's say they had rowed 30 furlongs. That would have been 17,460 feet, which is equivalent to 3.3 miles of time that they were rowing. Now, anyone that's ever done any kayaking um, knows what it's like to paddle a, a kayak, a canoe, a raft. After about a mile, you're exhausted. Um, when we were down in Belize, we were in two-man kayaks down there around the, the mangroves and all that. And I was in a boat with a guy that decided to take the time off from rowing. And I was in the boat. And, you know, that makes for a long boat trip. You know, it, it, some of you are laughing because you know the rest of the story on that one. <laughs> but it was a very memorable time of rafting down there but uh you know when you get done rafting boat any kind of boating sailing you're physically exhausted um and when you when you get physically exhausted um you mentally don't think straight you you do things when you're exhausted that you wouldn't usually do when you're all uh strengthened up i know i've done that how many have ever made a decision when they were tired after doing a hard day and thought, what was I doing? Or you said something and you don't know why you said that. You know, that's when you're the weakest, is right after you got done doing stuff like that. Um, and so I, I can understand why in Matthew chapter 14, now that you know the, how long they may have rode, it could have been upwards of 3.3 miles, could have been a little bit less, could have been three miles, somewhere around there. You get to the point where, in verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out in fear. Um, who, who are these disciples with? Who have they been walking with? Who, who have they been watching? And they get to this point, and they said, it's a spirit, and they cried out in fear. You know, they're exhausted, and they're not really thinking quite straight at the time, I don't think, because they know who is the only person that could do this. But they're not thinking that way. You know what I'm thankful for is when we go through these times of storms, and we're at our weakest, and we may not be thinking straight, I'm thankful for the next verse. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. You know, when you're in the middle of a storm, it's good when God comes and goes, it's okay. Don't worry. Amen. I'm here. Amen. You know, that's 
That alone is enough. You know, they say back in the military, World War II, the guys would be in their holes and they would be just paranoid, freaking out. They would shoot anything they see moving because they're exhausted. They're at their weakest point. And the sergeant would come over and say, hey, it's okay. We're right here. And the guy would settle down in his hole. And he'd go out and he'd fight again for him. Why? Because just hearing someone say, it's okay. You're not alone. We're right here was enough to get them back up and going again. You know, and I see that here. These guys are afraid in the boat. And he says, it's okay. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. You know, at this point, if you were looking at Mark or John, he hops in the boat and stuff. That's the end of the story, really. And uh, in Mark, the wind stopped. In John, he gets in the boat and they're at land. I cannot explain that one. That's just God. I mean, the boat that said that it just ended up at land. That is not, I can't even imagine that. I mean, just think of the disciples. Fearing that there's a spirit and it's God. He gets on the boat and you're like, oh, there's the dock. Huh, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how far from the dock they really were. You know, at the time when he got on the boat, you know, we don't know all the, the situation where they were in the, in the sea. It says they were in the midst of the sea at the time. But in Matthew, the story goes, and it opens up a little bit more of what happened. Peter is one of my favorite characters. Um, he is the one that reminds me the most of me. How many times have we done a Peter moment? We say something... Or we, you know, okay, God, I can better that one. Don't wash my feet. Wash me. Or, you know, Peter just says stuff that's like, where are you going? And, you know, and here's Peter over the edge of the boat. Oh, it's God. Hey, can I come out to you? Can I come out there? If it's you, could I, can I come out there with you? Watch this, guys. You know, I don't know. It's, just, it's Peter. It's what I think when I think of Peter, you know. There's no way to explain it. It's Peter. Um, and Peter said in verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You know, Peter's the only one that came up with the idea of, hey, let's hop out of this boat in the middle of the storm right now. I can't think of a better thing to do, but Jesus is there. And so... <laughs> Sorry, guys, I think I'd rather be with him over there than you guys here in the boat. But, you know, it takes, a lot, it takes a lot of guts to say, God, can I get out with you? But then I thought about it. Everyone else in the boat at this time, when he says, be of good cheer, after this, you never hear of one of them having fear in that boat. When he says, uh, it is I, be not afraid, not once do you hear of these guys in the boat being afraid again. They're safe. They're in the boat. And they know right there is Jesus walking on the water. Peter, in his Peter moment right here, gets out of the boat and he starts walking. And it's a miracle. He's walking on the water to Jesus. But it says in verse 30, But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Peter does what we've all done in the middle of a storm. We lose sight of Jesus in the middle of the storm. We take our eyes off of Jesus and we look at, well, that's not good. 
that's bad over there. I don't know. Man. And then you, you use the word boisterous. What is boisterous? I looked it up. Loud, roaring, violent, stormy, turbulent, furious, noisy. Describes that word. This is what he stepped out of the boat into. Says that he in the wind saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid. You know what? Right here in this story, he's the only one in this whole group that's afraid right now. The guys are safe in the boat because God said, be of good cheer. He's afraid. And he's right there because he lost his focus on Jesus when he was walking. And he looked at the problems around him, the storms, the issues that seemed too big at the time. Instead of the God who created the storm that's standing right in front of him. That is where you're going to trip up every time. When you take your eyes off of God and look at the storm, you forget who is the creator of the storm. And then you get down into verse 31, and it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. O thou of little faith. Peter was the only one that had any kind of idea to try to get to Jesus. But is you know, when you're in the middle of a storm, we don't think straight, and sometimes our faith will kind of waver a little. You know, it, and you start doubting things. You know, I wrote this down in here, and I, it's true. Don't doubt God in the storm of something he promised you in the clear. Peter knew what Jesus could do. But in the storm, he doubted. It's what it says in that passage. Wherefore didst thou doubt? What was he doubting? He was doubting maybe, what, what am I doing out here? Is this right, God? Am I doing the right thing? He took his focus off of God at this moment. So here's where we usually end the stories now. We usually end now, he's on the boat. The storm stopped. And that's all great. But that's not where the story really ends. If you go over to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 has an interesting uh, ending to this. And this is where I want to sit for a little bit and just kind of go over some of this stuff here. This, if you know the story, this is in Mark chapter 6, verse 45 down to 52. It's the same story. This one here, um, he said in verse 50, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And 51, it says, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wonder. But then the next verse kind of hit me. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. When was the, the loaves? When was the feeding of the 5,000? Earlier that day. They just left that miracle. They just finished gathering the food, got in the boat, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. You see how when you're at a weak time, you forget what God's done? I just went through the book of Matthew, up to this story, and I looked at all the things that had happened. And then what I found in just the book of Matthew, we, you can find other ones in the other ones, but just in Matthew, you will find up to this point that Jesus healed a leper. 
He heals the centurion's servant. He, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, calms the storm in chapter 8. They already went through a storm and saw it calmed before this story took place. Heals the man of palsy, the, the woman with the issue of the blood, blind to see. He cast out demons three different times. In chapter 9, it says that he was healing every sickness and disease. The withered hand, the feeding of the 5,000, those are all just from Matthew of things that happened before Jesus walked on the water. And you get down to this part of the story, and it says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. You know, I don't know what it's, how, how that happened. I've never been in a storm like they're in right now. Everyone's storm is different. And you don't want to get to the point where you're forgetting what happened in the clear. When you're in the storm is when you need to think about all the things God has done. They forgot it. They, weren't, they did not consider it. And then the last part is their hearts were hardened. Um, I looked through the Bible. There's 33 times in Scripture where the word hardened is used. The majority of them are in Exodus with Pharaoh. But I found no passages where a hardened heart was ever a good thing in the Bible. In fact, if you were to go through some of the, the times that it's mentioned, it's pretty rough what God was doing. When God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it, you can see what was going on. It says, for their heart was hardened. Where, how do you get to a point where you're giving out bread to people, feeding them, trying to figure out where the bread's coming from as it keeps coming out of your hand, to where you get over here and you're going, I didn't even consider that miracle. I didn't even consider that God could do that. Well, I don't, I can't imagine getting to that point. But, and you look at people and you know today that have gone through storms and you go, what were you doing? And don't think you're better than them. Because when your storm comes, you're going to do things that you probably wouldn't normally do. You know what you got to do? You got to go and say, it's okay. God's in control. Like Aaron's saying, he's still on his throne. It's okay. You need to help him out. They're going to make decisions. They're going to do things in times that you're going to try to wonder what they're doing. And so don't let your heart get hardened. And don't forget, I can tell you in my life, miracles that God has done that I can look back on. I think about when I was uh, seven years old and my appendix burst. Ten days later, the doctors found out, and the doctor said, you shouldn't be alive. And the doctor says, I don't know why you're still here. And I remember what I said to the doctor, because God has a purpose for me still. I don't know what it was, but I should have died. I think of the time, you know, when I've seen car crashes that were right where I should have been, but I missed it by a light or something. Why? Because God had a purpose for it. There was a miracle that happened. We saw souls saved at the beast feast. That is a miracle that God did, that people got saved. We couldn't do that on our own. We could never save anyone. We can't save ourselves. God works miracles. Don't let your heart get hardened at the point where you forget the miracles of something that may have just happened earlier today. This morning we had more people in our service than we've had in a few weeks. 
you know what, that was exciting to see that we've had more people here than we've had in the last few weeks. But you know what, be careful. Don't, don't forget that God is still in control no matter what happens, whether there's five people here, if there's 15 people here, if there's 25 people here. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Don't forget the miracles of the loaves. So with that, in closing, I just want to go through a couple things here. Um, storms, it's interesting that it's storms coming in right now outside. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got really dark. The clouds are coming in. They're talking about thunderstorms coming in possibly tonight. And uh, storms are not bad. You know, storms are good. Growth comes after a, a storm. Um, you know, when they have the big droughts in Australia and then the big storm runs in, everything turns green. Growth comes from it. How about over in James? You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. James chapter 1. It says uh, in verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You know those storms that try your faith? They're not there to get you down. They're there to help you. The trying of your faith, what did Jesus say to him? O thou of little faith. The trying of your faith worketh patience. You know, the storms are not there to beat you up. The storms are there to help you get stronger. And like I said earlier, don't doubt God in a storm of something God has promised you or given you in the clear. Um, what I was thinking of when I thought of this was my mom has a book. She usually keeps it with her Bible. It used to come here. I don't know if it's in the pew back there. It's usually in her Bible case of her blessings book. And in that book, she would write down when something God did. God took care of this. God did this. I remember when God did this. You know, and I remember my mom talking about how when she would wake up in the morning, if she couldn't sleep, she would sometimes open that book and just read it. And just look at the things God had done. Don't forget what God did. When the storms are here is when you need to think about them more, not less. Don't let your heart get hardened. You know, one of the things that, you know, just back a page in Hebrews chapter 13, the, the last part of verse 5 says, you know, one thing in the middle of the storm, a promise that God gave you is, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In the middle of the storm, when you feel like you're all alone and you have one of those moments like David and you're crying out, where are you? He didn't go anywhere. He's walked on the sea of your storm and he's right there with you saying, be not afraid, it is I. You know, we, we've got a God who can walk on the water. That's our God. Um, storms come in different sizes. Um, right now, we're in one of the biggest storms our world has ever seen in the last hundred years. Um, th this is a storm. You know what? When these guys got the land, no one asked them about the storm. I don't find it anywhere in any, any of those stories where they said, so how was the rowing? How was the storm? No one asked about the storm. They wanted to see, if you look at the one of them, it talks about how they were looking for Jesus. They weren't looking for the guys. They weren't looking for what was salvaged from the storm. When this storm is done, they're going to be looking for Jesus. You know, you got to survive this storm. Stick it out. And if I can encourage you, one thing is to stay in the boat. Um, Peter got out of the boat. 
And that is a miracle that he was able to walk on the water. But like I said, those guys in the boat, they were saved. They were at peace once they heard Jesus say, it is me. When he said, be of good cheer, it is I. You don't hear them being worried anymore because they heard Jesus say it's okay. Can I encourage you tonight, if you're in a storm, stay in the boat. I know we, we, we hear messages, be like Peter, step out by faith. And we do, and they're good. But I want to look at it from a different angle of stay in the boat. You've got God saying it's okay. There's safety in the boat. Um, when you get out of the boat, you focus on the storm more. Uh, when you're in the boat, you focus on God. Once they heard God, they were good. Once Peter got out is when it fell apart for him. He started to sink. Three things. Storms will come because you are in a boat. Um, I was reading stuff about captains of boats and ships, and they said it's not a matter of if the storm comes. It's when the storm comes. You get out in the boat. They said that they would be docked in a harbor for three months, clear blue skies, but as soon as they launched out, the storm would come. Storms always come when you're in a boat. It's a proven. It's kind of like, you know, when you're washing the dishes, someone's going to call you. It always happens when your hands are the wettest. You know, it's, it's guaranteed. You get in a boat, it's going to storm. Another thing to remember, Jesus is watching your ship and praying for you. Jesus is watching your ship. When he went up on that mountain, he saw them toiling. He saw them in the storm. He didn't forget them. He didn't leave them alone. He saw them in their ship, in the storm. And then Jesus will come to your ship in the hour of need. When you need him, he's there. When things seem lost, when the outlook is bleak, when the hope is all but gone, Jesus can walk on the water and take care of your problems. Something to think about there. You are never alone when you're in a storm. Hebrews 13, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You are not alone. When I was in the teen class, Pastor Ingalls used to have little quotes he used to put up on the wall, little sayings. And one of them was from a William McPhee. And this I thought was interesting. I haven't seen this quote or heard this quote, but when I was putting this together, God put it back in my mind. The world is not interested in the storms you encountered. But did you bring the ship in? That was a quote from a guy whose dad was a, uh, a captain of a boat. He said, when we came home, no one asked about the storm. But did you bring the ship back? You know what? When the storms come, when it's all done, did you bring the ship back? I thought of two songs I, I, I was thinking about that would go with this. Songs in our hymnal. Um, let see if I can find it here. Put a bookmark and I still lost it. One of them. Number 261. If you have your songbook there, you can look this up. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for the look, for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. And then turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
What did Peter do? He looked away from Jesus and he started to sink. The other one, 124 in the songbook. Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you. One thing I love about this song, it doesn't say God may. If God feels like, this writer said God will take care of you. And then if you go through these, it says, uh, Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Uh, verse 4 says, No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary ones upon his breast, God will take care of you. Then the chorus says, God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Storms are always going to be in our lives. They're always going to be here. But you have a God that created the storm. And you have a God that can speak to the storm. You have a God that can walk on the water in the storm. And you have a God that's not going to leave you alone in the storm. Because God will take care of you. Let's pray. I'll turn it over to Pastor here. God, thank you. Thank you for the Bible we have. Thank you for the, the verses that we can look at, Lord, and the stories of how you took care of these men. God, help us as we go through times of our lives that we would not forget like they did the miracles, the loaves, and that we pray that our hearts would not get hardened, but that we would remember that you will take care of us. We are your uh, children. You are our Father, Lord, and you take care of us. You do better for us than we could ever think of. Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you for all you've done. Amen.